in order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the Republic will be reorganized into the first galactic empire for a safe and secure society. This is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. Hello everyone, and welcome to this new series titled The Energy of Empire. This endeavour grows out of the two series I've most recently produced, The Essence of Anarchy and Contemplating Conspiracy. I'm sure I'll do more with those two in the future, but I wanted a new heading to demarcate a different kind of project. If anarchy is the absence of rulers, a state where all relationships are consensual, empire is the exact opposite. It is coercion and control imposed over a vast area. Why do imperial structures arise? What forces play into them? Are they internally harmonious, or do they contain different factions fighting against each other? And do we still live in an age of empires now? Or have we evolved beyond that primitive way of operating? If we do live in such an age, what can be done to resist imperial tyranny? How does liberty die, and what can we do to regain it? These are the kinds of questions I'll be getting into. This series is called The Energy of Empire, as in contrast to some of the more extravagant conspiracy theories, and without necessarily claiming they are wrong, I am not proposing that one secret society has been behind all the great powers going back to Babylon. I am suggesting that a certain pattern, or energy, continuously recreates itself in the form of empire. There's something in the collective human psyche that replicates this over and over again. Mythically, it is the structure science fiction writer Philip K. Dick refers to as the Black Iron Prison. In every age there are those who cynically seek to profit from empire. From big business seeking monopolies on resources in faraway lands, to media men figuring out wars are a good way to sell papers. There are those who want empire for empire's sake. The ideologues who feel called by destiny to remake the world in their image. Whilst we may not be dealing with one monolithic conspiracy, conspiracies certainly play their role too with deliberate distortions and false flag operations bringing the public on board. Even conspiracy theories themselves can be weaponized by empire. The fear of a communist octopus encircling the globe, for example, provided cover during the Cold War for the expansion of imperial power under the guise of resisting it. Those who champion doctrines of humanitarian intervention, or responsibility to protect, getting the more caring portions of the population to sign up. In every generation, new imperialists emerge, believing that they have risen above the sins of the past, and are now in a post-imperial age where we operate for these humanitarian reasons. US President William McKinley believed this in 1898, at least he professed to, when declaring the United States could not possibly tyrannise faraway lands as the European powers did, because the tyrannical impulse is foreign to America's character and tradition. No imperial designs lurk in the American mind, he said, 
just prior to instigating a brutal invasion and occupation of the Philippines, which, as we'll see, goes on in some form to this day. From our vantage point in history, we can clearly see Mr McKinley was wrong. The United States had not escaped the energy of empire. But has it ever? Has any country ever? And if so, when? When did we move into a post-imperial age? And if we haven't, why should we trust our governments when they promise that, in exchange for civil liberties, they will protect us from terrorism and viruses? That in exchange for our money, they will educate our children and look after us in old age? To examine these questions, I'm going to principally look at the empire of the United States. I'm not doing so because it is uniquely bad, but rather because in the modern era it has been uniquely powerful. To get started, I'm going to commit what is known as the salt water fallacy. This fallacy states an empire only becomes such when it crosses an ocean. Clearly the United States was an expansionist power going right back into the 19th century, with the Indian Wars and invasion of Mexico, and you could argue the war against the seceding south too. I'm going to begin, however, when this empire goes overseas in search of new lands, new Indians to subdue. Even at this time, the concept of empire was falling out of fashion. That was something Europeans did, not liberty-loving Americans. The euphemism, the large policy, was employed to dress imperial ambitions up as expansive thinking. The word internationalism serves the same purpose today. Examining this history will provide a narrative from which we can draw out the different energies that have gone into empire, from the very well-intentioned to the utterly self-serving. It will also allow us to open up the deeper questions of conspiracy. Are we really living in the age of the United States empire, or is this ultimately a cover for a globalist empire of international finance, one which knows no allegiance to any flag? Should the World Economic Forum's declaration that by 2030 we'll own nothing and be happy send shivers down our spines? Does global dictatorship loom? Or is this just a Danish politician making silly videos and we're all getting carried away? My hope is that by examining what is known about empire, we'll be in a position to ask those deeper questions about just how far the rabbit hole goes. We'll start this journey in the next episode, looking at how the independent country of Hawaii ended up becoming a part of the United States of America. Thanks for listening.